0: Welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I'm your host, Scott Haskin, and this week we are digging into the debut album by a band called Kingdom Come. This album came out back in the late 80s. We're talking about 1988. I believe it would have been the earlier part of the year, though, because this album came out while we were still in Michigan, as I recall. And, uh, I believe we listened to it, uh, as one of the albums that we listened to quite a lot, uh, along with Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. And, um, so I'm sure that it came out in the earlier part of the year. Cause we moved in April of 88. Uh, that's when we took that big road trip. So I don't know, to be honest, I don't know that much about this band. Uh, I love this album and that's pretty much where it ended for me. Um, They were never a band that I followed, like so many bands. I really like this and then just kind of left it there. I don't even know, honestly, if I've heard any single other song that they've done. It's very possible, uh, but not anything that I had uh, or would have identified um, as them. But uh, one thing that I do remember almost right off the bat was these constant comparisons to Led Zeppelin, and um, it probably didn't help that the vocalist did, his voice does sound a little bit like Robert Plant, but I mean, that's his voice. You can't help that. Um, and, uh, you know, just because a band is famous or, or considered like a founder of, uh, this style of music or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that everybody knows them very well. Uh, much like I never got into these guys, they might not have ever really gotten into Led Zeppelin, but where they kind of went, I think a little too far was when, uh, Lenny Wolf, who was the original vocalist of the band, um, I think it was either hit parade or Kerrang, uh, magazine. He claimed that he never heard of Led Zeppelin. Now, I have a hard time believing that because even back in those days when we didn't have the internet, when everything was based on radio play, word of mouth, um, movies, you know, music and movies and uh, magazines and stuff, how could you not have heard of them? Now, if he would have said, um, "I, I never got into them, I don't really know their stuff, I've never really, you know, paid attention or listened to them, that would have been one thing. But to claim that you never even heard of them um i don't think that's as likely so that makes the whole thing uh far less plausible the drummer uh however did say that bonham was a big influence on him so there you go so at least uh at least he couldn't have claimed that he never heard of led zeppelin because where else would he you know where else would he have uh heard bonham so um I remember it it got to the point and I found the quote, Jimmy Page said, obviously it can get to the point where it gets past being a compliment and it can be rather annoying when you've got things like kingdom come actually ripping riffs right off. That's a different thing altogether. And uh, boy, that's, uh, that's very powerful. So uh, you be the judge, you know, you decide if they're Led Zeppelin-esque or not, or if they just happen to, you know, the singer sounds enough like them and the music is similar enough to, you know, make those comparisons or not. Um, I think there was one song that I thought was, yeah, pretty, pretty obvious um, influence. Uh, But, you know, uh, the singer can say, I've never heard, it doesn't mean the rest of the band hadn't you know, and very possible. They never talked about it. So I don't want to speculate too much on that. A lot of things can happen. We just assume because a band is famous that everybody knows who they are and everybody knows all their songs and everything about them. And that's quite honestly, a a lot of bullshit. Um, you know, there's plenty of bands. Like I, I know a couple of ACDC songs. I don't listen to them. The couple that I know, I just don't like, I don't like the vocals. Um, they're the couple songs. I know they're kind of catchy, and I get why people like them, but I can't stand their vocals. So I don't listen to them. I don't get into them other than the couple of songs that I hear on the radio. I don't know anything about the band, nothing, but it's ACDC. How could I not know anything about ACDC? Right. So just because Led Zeppelin is a humongous band in the, the, the history of music, um, especially within our, our, uh, you know, obviously our lifetime, um, it doesn't mean that everybody knows everything about them. So uh, to me, it really comes down to what I always say. Uh, I don't normally get into the politics. Uh, I just thought I'd bring that up because it's it's interesting, and um, you know, it's something worth deciding for yourself whether you think they were or not. But at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is what did they give us. Now they went on to uh, make albums until the last one I saw was 2011. Um, like I said, I haven't followed them outside of this album for some reason, Um, just like Saga and all those other bands that I was like, wow, this is great stuff. And it ends here. Um, So we'll just get into the music and you can decide for yourself. The first song on the album is called Living Out of (laughs) Touch. I have a lot to say. So I really like this song. Um, first of all, I think it's a, an interesting thing to start a, uh, I guess what you would consider a rock album with a more moderate tempo song. But I like that they did that. I like that they didn't come out at a thousand miles an hour. Obviously, this is riff rock, you know, very uh, riff guitar oriented. Um, but there's some really cool things. I love that vibrato on the vocals and uh, the way that the engineer delayed that. That sounded really good. Um, The mix is fantastic. The drums sound amazing. Um, It sounds to me like he's using larger toms. I don't know what the drummer's setup was, but um, definitely sounds like larger size toms. They're getting a lot of depth out of them. Um, Could be in combination with the reverb, but they're, you know, bigger tones. Um, Also, the guitars sound great. The bass sounds really good. Um, I like those little bits of flange that come through here and there. Um, Just very selective spots. Um, But one thing that's kind of weird is this song, you know, being an album opener, it goes into that thing where it's just like the kick and the hi-hat and then just guitars doing like strumming chords. And um, that's something that, you know, like, like you would do at a concert when you're getting ready to have the audience do the participation part. So it seems a little bit weird to have that in an album opener. But apart from that... Um I think it's a good solid song. There's a really nice guitar solo in here and then the vocals uh come in again and then it goes into um a two-part guitar harmony uh which is really really nice. It's uh very tasteful. Solo's not outside of the the scope of the song at all. It's not fast, it's not crazy. He's not trying to, you know, outrun the song by any means. Um sounds really good. So yeah, this is a song that I I definitely like and and would highly recommend as being one to check out um one thing as you might be thinking at least in the beginning of this podcast listen is um you know trying to compare them to led zeppelin you know the the thing for me and i think i've said this before um god i've done like 330 episodes so by now i probably have but you know i've never really considered led zeppelin like the heavy metal band that they keep being considered as, because I don't think they had that many hard rock heavy songs. They had some, and those songs were incredibly popular. But when I think of Led Zeppelin, I mostly think of acoustic guitar and vocals and, um, you know, the more mellow uh, of them. I think there's far more of those songs than there are uh, heavier rock songs, but it's the rock songs that got the attention. Um, I think Jimmy Page is a great guitarist, but I don't, I I don't know. I just like when I listen to his solos and stuff, like he really plays more for the song and um, and that's fine. But uh, I think he was more just a creative genius than necessarily like he wasn't a flashy player. Um, Definitely not a shredder by any means, which is great because we have plenty of those Um, very smooth player, though. But I think he was just so much better on the writing and performance side than as a soloist um just my opinion um no disrespect for anyone who thinks differently but you know when i see him ranked as like the number 1 guitarist in the world in history or the number like even in the top 10 i'm like um i think he's great but i and there's so many better people as far as technique and abilities um i think he was great for zeppelin i think he was great at what he did i loved his work with the firm um obviously you know i reviewed their uh, their debut album as well beginning to that second one at some point but, um, yeah, I, I don't see him as being, uh, like a Richie Blackmore or a Steve Morse or a, a Michael Schenker or anybody like that. Um, but that's just, you know, where my tastes lie. I, I like guitarists where I can really feel their solos and, um, you know, when, when, when a guitarist can make me feel what the singer does, then they've got me, you know, that's right where I want to be. I don't need a speed player. I don't need, you know, flashy, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. I just want somebody who can make me feel something because for me, that's what music is all about is the feel. So uh, let's move on to our second song. This one's called Pushin' Hard. Uh, I like this song. It does have another uh, breakdown in it. Not quite that bass drum hi-hat crowd preparing thing, but um, it, you know, here we are like two songs in a row. This one's really uh, just a slightly lower tempo than the other songs. So there's not a lot of diversity in that so far. Uh, I really like the drum intro. I think it's very well played. There's some really nice fills that are maybe just a little too elaborate for the song. Um, interesting that I had mentioned Michael Schenker earlier because he, uh, the drummer on this album and their second album, James Kotak, uh, had played with uh, both the Scorpions and the McCulley Shanker group. So, uh, in fact, uh, he played on a bunch of stuff with the Scorpions, but nothing that I uh, am familiar with is. I mean, he probably played on like a couple of hits I would know, but um, it was uh, from like '99 to 2015, and uh, I was really like more the you know uh, before uh, the albums before that um like more like the 80s stuff that i really liked so um yeah interesting that that would have been the case um but yeah this is a good song uh, i dig it i really like the sound i love the the sound of the guitars on this one the bass really cuts through um this is so well mixed i have to say i i'm very um very impressed with the production on this album and uh just as i'm looking well the producer was bob rock so there you go it's it's not surprising it sounds good Uh, but yeah, definitely a good song. Uh, another one that I would say is worth checking out. And our, uh, our third song here is where we get to, um, the ballad and, uh, it's called What Love Can Be. And I remember the video for this on uh, MTV too. (laughs)
1: Come to me now
0: You know, it's um, it's kind of interesting. I have kind of disassociated a lot of the songs that I had associated with people at the time. That um, you know, maybe the song came into my life, or I was into the song when a person came into my life. And I'm not just talking about romantic interests. I'm talking just people in general. And uh, a lot of those songs over the years, I I even you know was listening to something the other day. I'm like, who is it that I was? always had connected this whatever the song was and and I honestly couldn't remember so I've, I've really disconnected a lot of those associations. This song, however, will always be very strongly connected to one person. Um, and it's it's kind of in you know, in some ways it's a little bit nostalgic and in other ways. it's, um, you know a little bit sad for me to hear. But regardless of that, it is an absolutely beautiful song. I think it's one of the, one of the most beautiful ballads um, constructed and performed. I love the singer's voice on this. I love the, the thickness of the guitars. I love the just gentle keyboards that are in there uh, thickening up the song. Um, the drums are on point. Bass is really good. Um, but the, the, you really feel a depth in the emotion in this song. And that is so important, especially going into the the last uh, chorus when he's singing the, the last couple of lines of that final verse. Um, and the way that the music swells up, the way he's singing, uh, it's just so powerful. Um, absolutely amazing song. Um, I'm sure you can find the video on YouTube. It's, um, I don't know if it was the first video they did, but Obviously, it was from their first album, so it would have been within the first couple of videos, but it was the first one I remember singing or uh, seeing singing. I didn't sing the song. Um, I tried. I cannot sing this song. I don't know if I ever really could. Um, It's just a little bit above where my range always was or right above uh, where I was comfortable in my range. I could go like way above it, but this was like just a little bit too high for me to sing comfortably. Um, I think the other um, I think the other one that they had a video for, I want to say get it get it on, which we'll get to in uh, just a little bit here. We're on song three and that is song six. So we have a little ways to go, but you know what I didn't do? I did not talk about the album artwork, um, probably because it's fairly not memorable a- at all. Um, it's like, um, a bluish gray marble background with a, uh, upright, darker marble rectangle, um, in the middle maybe slightly above middle, um, but centered left and right. And then, um, a very beautiful font for the band's name kingdom come, which is done in, uh, in, in like a gold with light shining off of it. Um, but there's like, there's nothing that l- I look at that and go, okay, I can associate that with something. It's interesting. I want to look at this while I'm listening to the album. You can pretty much look at it and go, okay, there you go. That's the album cover. Now maybe I'm, I'm going to get lucky and there's some liner notes or something on the inside. Um, you know, but it was their first one. They, they might not have had much of a budget, although they got Bob rock, but if they blew their budget on Bob rock and not the album cover, uh, they did the right thing. I I will say that, um, because the music just sounds absolutely fantastic. So, uh, that brings us to our fourth song and it is called Seventeen. like this song but maybe it's just me i think they could have done this as an instrumental and done something you know with layering the guitars a little bit and um come up with something maybe more interesting to me anyway um but i love the sound of the bass is so just heavy and dirty on this i really like that it works so well with the bigger sounding drums um the guitars sound great um don't think there's any keys on it. Uh, Rick Steiner, who's the uh, rhythm guitarist and keyboard player sounds like he was just playing uh guitar on this one, but that's just it. Like they could have done some cool harmonies with the bass, keeping the the rhythm, um, because it's thick enough and, and loud enough in the mix that that could have worked. Of course, you wouldn't know how loud it is in the mix when you're writing it because you have no idea how it's going to sound when you're recording. Um, but yeah, I think they could have done something a little bit more. The vocals are kind of. They're kind of pointless for me on this one. I I could have much rather seen this as a, you know, maybe a souped up instrumental a little bit. And I love the the tempo. Um, I like the opening, but it reminds me very much of uh, Broken Promises from Michael Schenker Group's Assault Attack album. Um, Very similar, missing like one dynamic kick in the in the beat. But um yeah, a pretty good song overall. Um I like when it goes into that that um second half of the of the riff. That's a nice change there. It adds a little bit of brightness to it. But um yeah, I think the bass is is a lot of what makes this song for me. So yeah, it could have been a, a better instrumental, I think, than um than a vocal song. But you know what, it's not bad as it is. I'm not complaining. Um I'm happy to listen to it, but I'd be very curious to know what they could have done with it. because um, I think there is some good musicianship in, in this band. Um, at least at this point. Uh, Currently, I have no idea. Or their most recent versions, I should say. I have no idea. Um, So that brings us to song number five. This one is called The Shuffle. The good news is, is it is it, actually a shuffle uh, that helps, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good song. There's some things uh, in, in the guitar solo that um, are hitting like some of those screechy frequencies that I really don't care for. There's somewhere he's like making some kind of noises on the guitar, but they're a little bit buried in the mix. So you can't really hear what he's doing um, just because the the rhythm is so heavy and and distorted. I shouldn't say, yeah, I should say uh, Danny Stag, who's the lead guitar player. Um, Frankie B. Frank on bass is tearing it up on this song. I love how that bass cuts through, so heavy sounding. And then, of course, we have Lenny Wolf on vocals, uh, who's the one who never heard of Led Zeppelin. Um, he's got such a powerful voice on a song like this, and he's really pushing that volume too, which sounds great. Um, I really like that what feels like a pre-chorus, but it's really kind of the chorus because um, it just goes back into the riff after that. But um, yeah, this is a is a good one. Um, I just, you know, when it comes to those kind of screeching guitar sounds, I, I've never been a fan of those. There's only, I can't even think of them right now, but there's only been a couple of times where I'm like, yeah, you know, it kind of works there. Um, just not my sound at all that I like. Um, But it's a good song. It's got a good groove to it. I really like that the ride is not overshadowing. Um, It's not cutting through too much, but you can you can hear it, but it's not um, killing any of the other frequencies. So uh, very well done there. Of course, again, you know, Bob Rock. It's interesting, though, because this um, this actually reminds me I've always thought and I don't know why, but whenever this song comes on, I see that checkered album cover of Fast Ways album. And I don't know if it's. um, say what you will. Maybe it reminds me of, um, or if it's a different song, but in any case, like I, I always just go right back to that. And it's funny. I haven't listened to this album in quite a while, but, um, as soon as the riff started up, I just immediately saw that checkered album cover. So, um, I thought that was kind of funny. I mean, talk about associations, right? I and mean, here I've disassociated people from uh, most of the songs that I had attached to people. And, um, and even if I know who it was, like, I, I still like have been able to not have that same connection. I'm just like, oh yeah, this, this was so-and-so or whatever this song reminded me of. Um, but it's funny that, that, that fast way connection just came right back so fast. Um, I love that. Um, so our next one is the other one I'm pretty sure was released as a single and they had a video for this one's called get it on. Yeah, I think this was the song that that they really came under fire for for the Zeppelin thing, um, because it does have a faster paced cashmere feel to it. Um, and, you know, that's OK. It, it's such a simple riff. Why wouldn't two different people come up with it or, you know, but but it it's hard to think that no one in the band had heard the song, especially if the drummer was heavily influenced by Bonham. I mean, that was a huge song for Zeppelin. Uh, but in any case, uh, I, the, the drum intro is kind of weird on this one. It really is uh, too much for the song. I mean, the way that it comes in, I'm expecting a much bigger, faster, heavier song than what we get. So that feels like an awkward intro for me. Um, the solo is really nice. I actually really like the verse on this one. Um, it may be reminiscent of Kashmir, but it's got a good feel to it. You know, it it, uh, it trucks along at a good pace and it's interesting. It's not just, you know, hitting and strumming chords and sustaining them for a long period of time. Um, it's it's nice. You know, it's a good groove for me. Um, so, of course, I'm a big fan of Cashmere too. So there's that. But um, yeah, it's a good song. Another one with a, a great performance from the vocalist, um, especially when he sings the title of the song. Um, very, very powerful. He's got a great set of pipes on him. That's for sure. And that's, of course, I'm talking about uh, Lenny Wolf who was also a producer on this album, um, as well as Bob Rock. So uh, there's that. But, um, you know, the other thing, too, I wanted to mention, like the band's website, I went to look for a website to put in the show notes and there's like the band's official website is no longer there. But then there's a Lenny Wolf site that seems to have taken over Kingdom Come. And um, I don't know if the, if he was even in the last incarnation of the band. So it's um, it, it's kind of weird stuff, you know. Um, whatever the case at least he's he's holding it together for the stuff that he was on but it's basically like Lenny Wolf's site with kingdom come information on it it's uh it's all very strange but he might be you know even if he's not uh wasn't in the band the whole time he might have had uh, certain ownership control or certain things or he might have been hired to you know stay on and take care of all the um you know promotion and all that so i mean who knows i i don't want to read too much into that Uh, except that it's just kind of weird that the band doesn't have their own like dedicated website it feels like a oh oh, oh, and i also threw this together for kingdom come kind of thing um pretty weird but uh but in any case yeah this is uh this is a good song definitely one that i've enjoyed listening to many times but i think it's the first one i heard um from them too so there's there's always that little bit of nostalgia um song seven is called now forever after That's kind of weird. So the drum intro on this matches a lot better than our last song. I mean, it, it comes in powerful and it's even tempo with what the song is going to be. So it sets the right expectation going in. Um, I love the riff on this. Very reminiscent, I think, of a Richie Blackmore kind of riff, like the last couple of Rainbow albums, maybe uh Battle Rage is on. It does have a little bit of a of an Enya feel to it. Um, but it's it's cool nonetheless. Um, I really like the vocals, I like the changes in the song. The only complaint I really have about it is that we do get into again some of those screechy sounds in the uh in the solo, which uh I think are are a little overbearing for this song I think he he went a little too far off the rails on it for my taste um and and also uh it's five minutes and forty seconds long, and I honestly don't think it needs to be i think it it gets kind of stale. they really could have you know beat this down to maybe four four and a quarter minutes and had um something that kept my interest the whole time. But about that point, I'm like, okay, I've really heard everything this song has had to offer. I don't think there's anything that's new or interesting going on. And so, yeah, I think they could have trimmed this one down a little bit. Uh, that being said, though, I love the parts to the song. I just think that it's uh, too long. you know. But uh, other than that, it's absolutely a fantastic song. Um, our next song is called Hideaway. It's interesting. I feel very much the same way about this one that I did uh, now forever after. Um, This was another one, five minutes and 39 seconds. I don't see a reason that it needs to be that long. Um, I really like the individual parts, but I just think, um, you know, right around that four minute, four and a quarter minute, I'm kind of like, all right, Um, unless you're really going to make some kind of sudden change that makes the song interesting um, you've lost me. You know, I I've heard everything you're going to give me and it's just repeating after that. Um, nicer solo on this one though. I, I, I do like it a little bit better than the, than the last song if I'm comparing. Um, but the parts, the individual parts I really, really like, it's just again, too much of them. And, um, I'm really kind of surprised for, for Bob Rock. Um, well, I don't know, maybe that's not as uncommon for like, I don't know his history that well. Um, but it seems like as a producer, he would know when a song goes on too long, or if it's getting too repetitive, like the, the time frame isn't the problem. It's that it's not changing enough to, um, to be interesting. It's just kind of the same thing over and over musically and, and that. So, um, yeah, uh, uh but, uh, definitely worth a listen In- enjoy as much of it as you can. I'll just say it that way. Our next song, uh, second to last is called loving you. I think this is a beautiful song um again it, it's it's almost five minutes it's like four forty seven, um but uh there's a beautiful string part that comes in later i'm just kind of uh adding like a nice little blanket over the top of the song um i really like the vocals they're really passionate in the song musically it really sounds rich and full i have to say um But this is kind of more the stuff I think of when I think of Led Zeppelin. I think of songs like this with uh, with some really nice picking and just that that full sound, um, which is amazing for a four piece. But um, yeah, this is a really nice song. Uh, I. I think it probably is in the right spot on the album, too. Um, I could have seen it maybe at the end of the first side would have also been another good place to put this. Um, But they have it in the song nine slot and it works there just fine. So that brings us to our final track called Shout It Out. So we had get it on and shout it out. this is a great song to end the album on it's got a really good tempo especially coming off of the last song i think that we needed something a a little bit of a pickup something that's going to want to make me go back to side one and put the album back on again um or or hit repeat if i'm listening on cd or my mp3 player but um it there's really not a whole lot that's special about the song it's just more the energy and the tempo and um i think it's it's Otherwise, just kind of straightforward, and it just sounds like everything else on the album. Um, Not a great song, not a bad song. It's just kind of there, but it does what it needs to do. It picks us up. You got loving you, then it picks us up and ends the album and goes out on a really good note. Um, It's really, it's the right time too. It's three minutes and thirty nine seconds, which honestly is any longer would have been okay. I've had enough Um, for your final song on the album. It's okay to do chorus repeat with a longer fade to you know, kind of give you that, I want to chase this. I want to know where this is going. And since I can't have it, I want to hear the album again. Great marketing, uh, just in that, uh, strategy of, uh, of how you do your placement, how you end your album. Um, but overall, I think it's a great album. I mean, there's a couple of things I would change as a producer, but, um, I think it's got a great sound to it. There's some really good energy. I love the mix. I love everybody's passion. Um, you know, whether you feel that they were, uh, Led Zeppelin clones or not, if you just listen to the music and take it as it is without all of that stuff, I think you'll find it's a pretty good album. If you like this tempo of rock and roll, um, it's not that, you know, girls, 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 like Motley Crue kind of stuff. It's not, um, you know, it's, it's more about the romance and the experiences than just, you know, getting late or, or whatever or saying, you know, Hey, we're, we're cool because we're men and you know, all that stuff that you hear in a lot of bands. Um, this is uh, just some really good songwriting, some really good performances um, just, you know, couple issues with the production and and the length of the songs more than anything. But uh, I enjoy this album. Um, I haven't listened to it in a while, but uh, I'm glad I just did because I, I forgot how good it really was. Um, I remember when I was going through all of my albums and writing down, you know, which ones do I want to review? I smiled when I got to this one. I'm Like, yeah, I've got to do this one. It's a great album. Um, But it's been a while, like I said, since I've listened to it and I forgot just how great it really is. So I'm glad I um, dug into this one. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Go get it. If you did, it's out there. I've got links in the show notes, of course, because I always do. Uh, And of course, you know, there's always the other places you can find it, but uh, where I always post the notes where you can purchase it to where the band should be getting paid for your purchase. Um, That's why I only typically post links to like iTunes, Spotify, um, whatever the, if there's like a direct record company link, like when I do the cherry red record reviews, um, they sell those directly through their site. Those artists get paid. So Um, I don't put Spotify playlists. I could give a shit on whether it's on Spotify or not. If that's where you guys listen, that's fine. Um, but for me, um, I, I think the artists should be paid for their work. So I will always refer you back to places where they are selling the legitimate copies. The only, the only other thing I would have to say on that is if the album is out of print and and you just can't get a copy of it where the artists are going to get paid, then, you know, Discogs, eBay, stuff like that is fine. Or if there's a, a certain edition that's out of print, like when I was doing the Uriah Heat podcast, I was using all the uh, remastered versions because they had bonus tracks on them that weren't released on the album. So I had to go get all of those. Most of them were out of print. The ones that I could get um, on iTunes once I gave up on the physical CD, um, I started with all the physical CDs because I thought I was going to need the booklets. And, uh, what I decided to do with each song is just take the song as the song, you know, the booklets were a little bit helpful for some of the bonus tracks, but apart from that, um, I didn't really utilize them. So, um, once I saw that there, a couple of the remastered versions were on iTunes and I was able to purchase them there, but for the older ones, I had to go to like discogs and eBay and, um, got a couple of them on uh, Amazon because they, they, I could only find them used. They were long out of print. So I always encourage, um, people to purchase from the artist so that the artist will get paid, even if it's a measly, you know, five cents or whatever it is. Hey, that's five cents that they didn't get from a, a, a stream. That would be 0. 0.0007 split between, you know, five people in the band producers, you know, whoever has a claim to all of that. So you're really talking like 0. 0.00000018 or something ridiculous like that, um, So, uh, anyway, that's, that's my feeling on things, but I, but I encourage you to listen to the album because I think it's a great album. If you like this kind of music, if you are a fan of Led Zeppelin, I think this is definitely right up the alley, but just enjoy it as it is. I think it's a great album. So thank you guys for joining me for another episode of the show. I appreciate it. I will be back with, I think, what do we have up this week? I think we've got a couple of reviews with Cherry Red Records, if I'm not mistaken, and then. Uh, our normal show will uh, come back next week. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So actually, um, next Wednesday will be the second part of a two part review of a uh, new release. I'll do those on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Since it's two parts, I want to have the second one come out on release day, which is next Wednesday. So I'll have one Tuesday and then Wednesday and then we're back on normal schedule for a little bit doing a lot of reviews for them that are adding extra shows on dates other than Wednesday. So just keep an eye on your podcast player. Some of them notify you, but at really weird times, like sometimes I'll have already listened to an episode of a podcast and then I'll get a notification from Apple Podcasts like two days later that the show is available. I'm like, yeah, I know it's marked as played. (laughs) Um, So it's really kind of weird. I don't understand how all of that works or why things are the way they are in that realm. But your best bet is to just keep an eye on your uh, on your podcast apps and see when new episodes come out. They're always on Wednesdays. And then there's other bonus episodes here and there. So uh, enjoy, guys. We will see you on Tuesday for another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. Cheers.